Hi pedestrians, my name's Chris Wurasinha and I'm a co-founder of Pedestrian.tv. Welcome to Founders University Episode 1, featuring Jane Liu, the founder of online retail giant Shopo. This is the first series from the Pedestrian Podcast Network, and we launched it to give an Aussie perspective on the startup boom that's dominating our lives. We know our readers and now listeners love a side hustle, and many of you are active entrepreneurs. Founders University dives deep into the stories behind some of your favorite brands and the inspirational people behind them. And to kick things off, here's a word from Pedestrian's inaugural podcast partner, Squarespace. It's never been easier to turn an idea into reality. As a Squarespace user myself, I know that it's the perfect platform to buy a domain, use one of their beautifully designed website templates, and you can literally have something up and running in minutes. It's super easy to use. It's drag and drop, and to be honest, I'm really jealous that this did not exist 13 years ago when we were starting out at Pedestrian. Uh, it takes some of the like challenges of web building and technical development and all of that out of your hands, so you can focus on the really fun parts of starting up a business um, and what you really love. And with the offer code PTV, you get 10% off your next purchase. So just use the offer code PTV uh, on checkout to get 10% off at squarespace.com. Jane Liu launched Shopo in 2010 when she was just 24 years old. Shopo is a fashion retailer aimed at women 16 to 32 that is a multi-million dollar success story, about to clock up its millionth online order. Jane recently featured on the AFR Young Rich list with a personal wealth of $32 million. Hands down, the thing I enjoyed most about this chat is how candid Jane was about everything from failing in her first business to sharing details around exact revenue figures as she was starting up. I really hope you enjoy this chat with Jane as much as I did recording it. So Jane, thank you so much for coming on to uh, the Founders University podcast. Uh, Can you tell us what is going on for Shopo right now? Um, oh, thanks for having me. So it's a busy month um, for Showpro. We just had our Cyber Weekend Black Friday sales, so that's been quite hectic. And, um, you know, we've got Christmas trade coming up, so that's kind of like a peak season for us. And so I think – and then, you know, w- w- during peak season, we're doing a lot of campaigns. Um, so it's kind of like – it's pretty hectic around the office at the moment. <laughs> yeah, cool. I'm interested, like, is – are the cyber weekends a really big driver of sales or are they kind of growing? What yeah, have you seen? it's been crazy. And I think as um, a business gets bigger, it becomes bigger. It, the sales becomes significantly bigger. Like it's not a linear um, growth, I think. Because even myself as a shopper, like I'll go onto the big websites and then it's kind of exhausting and I kind of just get over it. And then I just, I can't go through all of the, possible websites that have sales so I think as we kind of climb up the ranks it's the sales have been getting significantly bigger it's yeah <laughs> it's yeah, been nice. crazy so you mentioned kind of climbing up the ranks so where would you sort of say you are placed at the moment like is that something that you're kind of quite conscious of um oh no I guess it's it's really it's it's kind of hard to know and it's always surprising um you know sometimes when to, to realize how like how much people know about Shopo how you know the goal has always been to make it a bit of a household brand and how it's quite surprising how how quickly we've almost gotten there like I wouldn't say we're there yet but you know in certain demographics like say people girls girls in their early 20s or mid 20s in um, Sydney 
I think generally all know chauffeur, which is quite exciting. Um, but I think we're in terms of our within our like fast fashion market, we're definitely you know one of the biggest. I would say. Yeah. Cool. So. You know, kind of you mentioned how like Shopo is approaching, you know, becoming a household name for like the target audience. Uh, can you take us back to, you know, sort of your background and like, did you sort of see these entrepreneurial leanings kind of emerging early in your life? Um, no, not at all. So I never thought I would never have considered myself to be entre- entrepreneurial. So my parents and I like we immigrated from China when I was eight, and so the immigrant dream is really. Um, well, I would say the Chinese immigrant dream um, is to have a safe job and a steady income. And so as my as the only child as well, all of that pressure was on me. So my parents just, you know, they were aspiring for me to work somewhere in upper middle management kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so never even like, my you know, my parents, my mom works in the bank. My dad's an engineer. No one in our immediate family, you know, is entrepreneurial. So never even considered it um even at school i remember in high school they have this young achievers thing where you go out you do like a little business and like i, I didn't even participate in that oh, and, I, and i'm like an extracurricular kind of person um and so it wasn't until so i was in high i was in uni, i was at uni and then um met this guy from Belgium on he was an international student and then so he talked all about like so much about traveling and starting his own business and at that time I still hadn't like still hadn't traveled um without my parents and I haven't um you know I never even thought about starting a business and then so he kind of the more (laughs) so lame the more he talked about it the more I kind of got excited about it and then all of a sudden I decided to go on exchange in Sweden I broke up with him and went on exchange had the time of my life um, I came, you know, traveled all around. You know, now I've been to like I think like fifty four countries. So more than him, <laughs> but like I've you know I've gone out traveling and I've come back. When I came back from my stint in Europe, I just couldn't adjust back to um, life in the cubicle, and so I kind of wanted more. And I think that was when kind of entrepreneurialism started trending a bit, um, and it was. One of my friends got made redundant during the global financial crisis, so she wanted to start a business, and I already started thinking about this. So we kind of, she, you know, she came to me with an idea, and then that's where it kind of all started. Cool. So just to go to um, life in a cubicle, because you you were actually in accounting. Yeah, sorry, I should have mentioned. Yeah, so I um, when I was eighteen, I got a job in as a a cadetship role with uh, KPMG. So it's one of the big four accounting firms. So, you know, my parents could not be more proud. Um, the, the immigrant dream. The immigrant dream. Um, I got like a 99 plus UAI. I got into, I got a, uh, I was doing a commerce degree in accounting and finance, which felt like every Asian person <laughs> at UNSW was doing. Um, and so, sorry, like... I, I, did, I did accounting and yeah. finance at yeah. UNSW. Yes, there you go. And I couldn't hack. Like, I was just like, I cannot do this. So I, I dropped the accounting, still did the finance, but I picked up marketing. And uh, I was so go. much happier, like, having that. But I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wish I did marketing. And, I mean, I guess, well, I guess, like, I, so it's like a blessing disguise because I kind of, like, KPMG wasn't so bad, but then I went on to do, because finance became, like, finance is trending and, like, investment banking, corporate finance. So then kind of everyone at uni started to um, move into doing finance, and that's when I had to decide to pick up the second major. Started doing finance, 
got an um, internship with Ernst Young, realized that I hated it um, and also hated finance. And, you know, this whole time I would have loved to have done marketing because that's, that's ultimately my, like, interest. Like, people, people, it's not really fashion that I love, which um, people are genuinely surprised by that. It's the marketing side of Shopo that I love. But um, had I been in a job, like, say I was working at Pedestrian, or, like, you know, I would have enjoyed my job, I wouldn't have gone out and started my own thing. I wouldn't, I'm, like, I'm not that risk averse, but I'm not, like, a throwing the towel, like, kind of, like, not throwing the towel, like, just like a huge risk taker so had I not really hated my job at EY had I um, not just hated finance I may have never taken the plunge so 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 did you have an idea or some sort of product before you left your job to kind of start Shopo like I think there was another business yeah as a side hustle so we were um, so do you remember Fringe Bar Markets yes so it was a bit like Fringe Bar um so we, but we were, um, instead of like having, so sorry, Fringe Bar Markers is a marker store within the bar, Fringe Bar. And so instead of, and they have, you know, everyone has their own marker stores. But our idea was to, to run a more retail business model. So we were um, setting everything up ourselves. There was the three of us girls. And we would take a 50% like commission margin on that rather than charging a store fee. And we thought, you know, the upside was great. But we, you know, like every like kind of startup, like business owner, you kind of don't think it through. You think about the upside and you don't really consider the downside enough. And so it just wasn't, it's not the, it's ultimately it's, you know, the thing about starting a business is if the business model doesn't work, no matter how much hard work you put in, it's just not going to work. So I kind of, that was like the main lesson I learned amongst many others. Um, so so just to get, so you were going to rent out spaces and then kind of subdivide the space to no, we, retailers? No, we like just set up our own pop-up store essentially and we, the whole thing was ours. So we were at the art house in Sydney. Okay. Um, and so we would get everything from my, so everything would be kept in my parents' garage and then we would rent a van and a driver and then we put everything in the van go to the art house they'll have tables like tucked away we'll set up all the tables set up all the clothes and then we set up for a few hours of trade twice a week and then we also started doing that in Bondi and um you know, there's just so, so many, it was like... like a pop-up retails yeah. store that would pop up in kind of places that you wouldn't expect it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then there's so many, like, lessons I've learned from that. Like, I remember um, just just before the business died, um, I I was like, well, look, you know, this we need to put this online because you can't... Because, you know, you're only setting up for two days a week, but if someone likes a certain product, you know, you will give them the card, they'll go online, and they could be buying it. You know, we get a lot of travelers in the city. So I spent a month building this website, and my business partner, I remember she was like, oh, no one shops online. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And she refused to look at the website. And then um, I remember we did a, we spent a lot on PR, and it kind of, like, hemorrhaged us of our money. So, um, so all these lessons I didn't realize at the time, now I realize slowly shaped into what became Showpro. Because, you know, for Showpro, it started off as Pure Play Online. We um, had a few stores, and now we're back to Pure Play. We, um, our focus has been really more on social media instead of PR because of how, and away from traditional marketing because we couldn't afford it. And, um, and then so, and just also, you know, we are a fast fashion company. We have like 100 new, over 100 new sales a week, whereas like I learned that 
with this pop-up store because we were collecting all the... We were driving up to, like, the western suburbs, picking up stock. We weren't getting new stock, and we weren't getting inventory, turnover, things that, like, just... It, it's so funny that at the time I thought... Um, all of it was just a waste of time and I was just such a complete failure. It kind of all um, ended up forming what Shopo is today. Like, it, we, it, Shopo is almost like the opposite of that business and I didn't realise that even when I started Shopo, it, was, it wasn't until like a year or two later when I was like properly reflecting on it. So. so, So how did you know that it was time to pull the plug on that original business? My business partner told me she didn't want to do it anymore. Okay. So she was like, she started job hunting and I didn't have the confidence to do it by myself. And at the time I kind of like really hated it for it, but I'm really glad that she, cause I'm, I'm kind of like, let's not, I have this like, let's not give up kind of attitude. And I'm really glad that she pulled the plug. Cause I could have like just been, I could still be running crappy market stalls right now. Yeah, cool. So, so you set up the online side, the business partner wasn't that interested in the online side. Is, did that online side then kind of morph into what Shopo is or did you kind of start again from scratch? We started from scratch because I built it on a Flash website which okay. can't you can't even use on mobile. Done. It kind of became, you know, the Grand Social? Yes. I felt like yep. it, it was moving into what the Grand Social is but... Um, um, so what, what, what sort of time period was this? So this was... So the... Um, so I think the business officially started in January um, or January 2010, um, and then we had a few months leading up to it to like you know get supplies and all that and all that. And then for six months later, the these these are the pop up stores that ended, um, or, or seven months or whatever. And then um, I qu- sorry, and then I quit my job at Ernst Young for this. So and I was living at home at the time. So I and I'm you know being an only child with all this these pressures on me. I didn't couldn't tell my parents that I quit my job. So I actually just pretended to go to work. I would put on my suit every day and just kept um, going to work for the next six months. So that really kind of made me need to like fix the problem. Like people were like what you know what what pushed you into like doing what you did just like default like I had no other options so I spent like kind of a month kind of like being a bit of a drifter kind of trying to figure shit out and then um one of my friends one of my friends has uh introduced me to someone else who also wanted to start a retail business so it's funny that all this PR that I got I thought it all went to waste because you know the business failed and it's you know it didn't really convert into sales either but it gave because I was like every time we got a piece of PR I share on my Facebook uh, my friends had this impression that I was you know knew what I was doing and like it did look pretty good that you just started a business and all of a sudden you were getting PR from like newspapers and websites and other places that you know everyone's it's you know it, that people feel like it's kind of like a big deal so my friend introduced me to someone else who wants to start his business and we me and this other girl we just met and you know uh we, we clicked straight away and I think like the third or fourth time we met you know we had a too many glasses of red wine and we were like let's just do it we came up with the name show pony and that night I went back on I went home and started like building the website just like googling like html basics and then that weekend we had a um so she had a supply contact which is one of the hardest things and you know it was great that she pulled through with that and then we had the webs we had a photo shoot over the weekend and then within a week we started selling wow so and really exciting. so one, one thing that i think is quite interesting is that like so the original business model 
was in some ways maybe like more original and more disruptive. Disruptive, yeah. Whereas Shopo, I mean, not you know, I guess it's it's more of a traditional online Absolutely, retailer yeah, yeah, yeah. in a way. Um, do you, what would your advice be to people out there trying to go? You know, do I just sort of try to create a new brand in a space that already exists, or try and create something that's completely new? Like, what what has your experience been of like both? Oh, I think it just depends on. I don't know. I think it depends on the like someone's capabilities, and I think if you're trying to create something new, you probably need a lot more funding as well, um, and you need to, and then you got to spend time trying to get investments. Which I, you know, because I used to work in corporate finance, I was like, okay, the last thing I wanted to do is to spend more time, kind of in the corporate finance role, trying to get funding and then having to deal with investors. So, but I've always wanted to just start making spend the time making the money and reinvesting where I can and I think it just depends on how good the idea is a lot of the times I hear people with ideas um, and it's already it's already out there or, or it's been done and it's been done unsuccessfully so then you have to look at your skill level compared to the people who have previously have done it so I think something that's really great is to listen to you know listen to more podcasts do more readings and, and go to things like startup weekend weekend and just see the caliber of like the other people who are doing these things um go to more like meetups and events and trying and like just trying to like learn more before making that decision if if you don't already have a brilliant idea I think the hard thing is um so I think like for for me when I started Showpro it was a lot easier because there weren't that many other competitors out there and I think what I'm doing the barriers to entry is like really low so there's a lot of like competitors a lot of small competitors you could you could tomorrow you know do what I'm doing and start making money but because there's so many competitors out there it's really hard to achieve longevity and scale and I think that's kind of the problem as well like people people they, they find a supply they start selling online they build a website they reach out to their direct networks and the networks of their network and then they just plateau so I think it depends on whether you, if you have a brilliant idea or if you're good at hustling if you're good at marketing I don't know yeah so let's go back. So you said it was basically like a week turnaround from like, okay, cool, we've yeah. got this name, Shopo, we've got a contact that can get, I suppose, like wholesale yeah. <clears throat> clothes, and then he started selling within a week. What did those first weeks look like? Were you selling a lot of clothes? Were you getting traction? Did you kind of know, oh, yeah, we're definitely onto something? Or? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> it, took, it took quite a while to... Um, get traction. I think it was like four months into it. We were that's when we were selling twenty two thousand dollars a month, which is pretty good considering the website costs like ten dollars to host and zero dollars to build. Um, and most of that came from this uh, Facebook hack that I came up with. So I was like by myself watching TV at home um, in my tracky dacks, drinking wine, just kind of feeling sorry for myself. And I was watching America's Next Top Model. And, you know, one of the problems was, you know, how do we market ourselves um, without a big budget? And another problem was how do we get models? So I thought, why don't we just do a modeling competition and then we'll reach, we'll open it up to our uh, custom, our f- Facebook followers and we'll make it like America's Sex Top Model. And so back then, Facebook used to have fan gates, which meant that you have to like the page in order to engage with it. So when we invited our, you know, existing followers, some of them would enter, but then they would ask their friends to vote for them. And then they would create Facebook groups, Facebook events, and um, and then these 
once they did that, their friends, some of them were into themselves. Um, and this is before the before now. Like anyone can have an Instagram account and try and model. It's you know times are times are different back then. But we had this amazing ripple effect where people just kind of and I think I think after that, quite a few other different businesses did it. But because we were um, from what I know, like the first, so we had that first mover advantage. So within one month, we went from three thousand followers to twenty, yeah, right. um, and that cost nothing. And so back then, when people were still skeptical of online retail, um, and we we actually had a, we opened our first store already by then. So we had a, not only did we have a physical store, we had you know a landline number, and we had twenty thousand dollars, twenty thousand followers. It really gave you know us a bigger presence and it gave people this um people thought that we were much bigger than we were and that really helped back back before people you know started trusted online retail online shopping um so that that was when things really started picking up for us but then um the business started like that that was in february 2011 um but then it started being a slow descend um down to for the, for the rest of the year, the business started failing. Um, a lot of it came from the fact that my business partner, she has her own successful business and she still does. And so she was kind of the, you know, she was kind of the ideas person. She had fashion experience, industry experience. And so it was always kind of like set up that she would have the ideas and I would do the work. But then I think that sounds all fine and all, but you kind of have to learn these things the hard way. But after doing that for six months, I started to you know like it's pretty annoying that you're doing all the work and someone else is getting all you know half the benefits not that we were making that much and so we and then so we started having you know I think animosity started to grow as well and I mean we're still I mean I'm having dinner with with her tonight we're still like really good friends but I think it just business partnerships are always really hard it's almost like committing it's like getting married before you get you have a relationship, you know, and so you never know. And I think, you know, a business relationship is always different to even if you had a friendship uh, beforehand. Anyway, so with the next few months, sales started falling. By this time, by this, so December, as I mentioned, it's meant to be your busiest, one of your busiest months. We were doing $5,000. We did $5,000 at the end of 2011. So, so that's like... So you went from $22,000 a month and down doing to that five. reasonably regularly to then going out to five. Which is like two orders a day. Even while, you're, even while you're kind of sort of sale... Like even while your Facebook fans have kind of gone up significantly yeah. and you've had this... Yeah. And then so I had a retail store, a pop-up store at the City Westfield. And so because that was... And that was like heaving back then. So... I think because that was going well, I started directing more attention to that as well and just didn't give the online store much love at all. And then so my, you know, my business partner at that point decided to um, opt out of the business um, and rightly so because her business started like booming at the same time. And so... Um, Can you say what her business is? Um, oh, I don't know if she wants to like... It's, it's, in, it's in fashion as well, but okay. it's quite different. Yeah. It's, it's non-competing, so I don't know if she wants to... <laughs> Yeah, sure. Thing. But um, no, she's like she's she's pretty like very brilliant at what she does. Um, and so she's still what, like a fifty percent shareholder. In no, no, no. So no. I bought I bought her out, okay, and cool. so she's. Um, I'm doing, jumping ahead in the story. Yeah. So, yeah sorry. No. So then I just I gave yeah no. So I bought her out um, because she. So is this when things were kind of descending? You were doing yeah. thousand dollars. Is that when you looked to kind of buy her out? Or? She actually yeah she she kind of also like, um you know I I 
kind of wanted to buy her out and then she kind of wanted to, she wanted to leave as well she kind of like I, I remember when it happened she said it to me she was like I'm sorry I like I I want to leave and you know so it was it was very mutual and you know she's doing so well now so it's it's all it, it could it couldn't have happened in a better way um but you know at the time I was really excited because I was like wow like how do you you know, you hear about how hard it is to buy out business partners, and you know, I did it. It, it, it happened so quickly, smoothly, and everything. But then I was like, "Holy shit! Like, this business is tanking. Like, I could just be, you know, the captain of a sinking ship." And my first business failed. Now this has failed. Like, you know, there goes, and I, you know, I have quite a, like I have quite a bit of pride, especially the fact that you know when I left, when I quit Ernst and Young people were like and I left in such a so long suckers kind of way people did were you? all like what did you do no it's just like I I, I hated it and I wasn't shy about <laughs> letting them know that but um, people I think people were all laughing at me by this stage with the first business failing and Shopo not really like doing that well and you know people were back then people it's funny people were quite open about like why are you in fashion you don't know anything about fashion that's just stupid why do you think you like why do you think you can succeed and you know I had a lot of people tell me it was a dumb idea um which is great because I really like spite is spite can push me harder than most things so so anyway I was like pretty scared that I was doing this all by myself um, and it was all like so. It was, this is January 2012. But then that month, um, I was able to you know make decisions, business decisions, really quickly. And I was just I don't sleep much anyway. And now that you know everything was for me, I guess not like I'm good at working in a team. But I think I was getting burnt out by doing you know doing work, and that wasn't like, oh sorry, it's like stupid things. My my ex business partner like she didn't want to run Google ads. Because she was like, well, let's start making more money because before we started spending it. And I was like, well, we need to run Google ads. Otherwise, you know. So I was like able to do things like that. And I wanted to drop shipping charges and I could just do it. And then I could put more love into customer service. And I was just, you know. Anyway, so that month um, we went from, that month we were $9,000. And January is like a dead period in retail. So 9000 And then next month was forty. And then next month was seventy five, wow. and then next month was one forty. So that, and then the month that it was one forty, um, the month that it was seventy, I, I remember that was I, I actually just booked a trip. I booked a trip when the business was not going anywhere to Miami for Ultra Music Festival, and I was going to be that shit person that cancelled all my friends, and they're like, no, 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 you have to come, and they peer pressured me, and that was actually a really pivotal moment in the Shopo growth story I think because that was when I decided to finally hire someone because I was just sometimes you get so busy working in the business you don't have time to hire you don't have time to train and you also I was so used to being povo for so long I didn't want to pay someone $22 an hour to do work that I could do better but having you know hiring that first person was when it started becoming rather than a small business started growing into a company and then when we were Still, when we're doing when we were doing one hundred forty thousand dollars, we're doing that many orders a day. It was still in my parents' garage, so and I was still like driving to the post office, filling up the post box, and driving to the next post box because that one is already full. So it was very like we. Were, I mean, I had a very lean startup approach into the whole thing. Yeah, cool. So you, you mentioned like you had the ability to make decisions quicker, and then that that growth from like I think it was like nine to forty to. 
seventy to one hundred and forty thousand dollars in the space of four months mm. is massive. Was there like any particular decision that you made that really had an impact over that period? Like, was it dropping shipping? Was it oh, so that's of- the and that's the hard part. Like, I think it, it really was a bit of everything. It's one of those things where you, you improve everything by like ten percent and. It has, like, a huge, like, multiplier effect. And, you know, now if we were to, you know, with, with with the business now, if we were to change our shipping, we would try not to do anything else, you know, so you can properly measure it. But at the time, I was just like, I can do everything. So it's 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 really hard to know. But I think at the end of the day, we, you know, just doing best, best, sorry, best practice of everything um, really made a difference. And, you know, doing more, you know, started running Google Google ads, doing more frequent social media posts, um, having better customer service, you know, everything kind of made a difference. Yeah, phenomenal. And and by this point, did your parents know that you weren't working at an accounting firm anymore? So I told them I was on unpaid leave. So I was, like, downstairs in my parents' garage. Um, I remember, like, I, you know, have to run upstairs because there's no reception in the garage to take customer service calls. And then I remember making my mom chuck sickies because we had so many orders. I was like, I'm not going to be able to get these orders done in time. And I did not want to have any delays so I'll get my mom to chuck a sticky and write hand, and we used to handwrite notes back then and then I'll and I'll towards the end of the day look over her shoulder and realise she's written all of them with broken English so we're like oh, I have to rewrite all these notes and like so I mean they definitely knew I was doing the business but I told them I was just on unpaid leave and you know I you know once I start hiring people I'll go back to accounting or whatnot. It took me, like, two years to officially tell them. And I'm sure they probably kind of had an inkling, but um, I moved out of the home by this point, so I was, it was easier to lie to them. I mean, they're pretty gullible, I guess. <laughs> um, and so what, what did that first employee do? She did uh, customer service, pick packing orders. Um, I think I think the first person you get is probably the you want to have someone quite junior to do a lot of the admin tasks, because it's quite and then you know I think everyone always says hiring staff and retaining staff is one of the hardest part about having your own business and um, no matter how much people warn you about what not to do you have to learn it learn it yourself the hard way so it's probably better to start with a junior hire and then work your way up into more senior ones yeah cool and so was that then a series of dominoes after that like did you then start hiring more and more through that year um no well I think it was really we slowly like then went from I guess it's different because back then we used to um uh send our own orders so we at one point had 20 people working the warehouse and then when we sold the warehouse you know we saw it changed the numbers but by the time we were doing a million dollar a month, we still had only me and three other girls. So it was me, my general manager, Alex, who started six months after I uh, started working by myself. And she's still um, second in charge and working uh, with me today. Um, so she's probably like the biggest, most like life-changing hire that um, I had. And so, and then the next person who is who's still with us there as well, she started off pick, pick, packing orders and then now she's a senior buyer. And so she helped with the buying decisions at the time and, you know, managing the warehouse staff. And then we had a customer service girl as well. So it was four people doing a million dollar a month. And then it uh, slowly grew to like 12 people. 
And then sometime a year and a half ago, we went when we were still around 12 people and now we're 43. So a lot of the growth has in, in staff and headcount has come from the last like 15 months. Yeah, cool. So when you were hiring that general manager role who's still with you today, like yeah. how did you know that you'd found the right person? Like it's they obviously would have been taking on like some pretty big responsibilities and you had to have probably a lot of trust in them. Yeah. What was the hiring process like? And did you go for someone really senior? Did you go for someone like more junior that you trusted no, I your got, attitude? I got so lucky. So she, I remember at the time I had this really good friend, um, so th- her, whose name is also Alex sorry so this general manager her name is Alex this other girl her name is Alex and she was already working as an ops manager with another um, startup and I think that as that startup wasn't doing so well I was like started think- I started thinking maybe I can get her to come in and be an ops manager and I was kind of like um, grooming her for that role and I gave her some tasks and just was completely disappointed in that and I was like oh, this is harder than I was going than, than I thought it would be and then Alex, who's now the general manager, she came to me one day and she said, and she was, um, she took me out to lunch and we met like a couple of times before at, um, through like um, friends. And so she was like, oh, Jane, you know, I'm kind of thinking about looking for a job as an ops manager in like a startup company. You know a lot of people. Do you know anyone? And so to this date, we still debate about whether she was fishing for a job. She's still adamant that she's like, no, you're just like, you have a big network. I just thought I would ask. And I'm like, no, you came groveling for a job. So it's it's still an unsettled debate. But so she, what what's great about her story is that she actually had an architecture degree. Um, and then so in her final semester, decided that she didn't want to do it anymore. And so she then worked for a year or two um, on the floor in retail for Want to Choose, which, you know, seems crazy to me because I could never tell my parents that I was doing that. And so her sister is actually also Nikki Durkin, who back then was like the poster child of like like in the entrepreneurial world because she started when she was 19 got into Y Combinator and she was a girl so um, so she, I guess they always have they have like that entrepreneurial gene in the family but Alex had had two of her own She I think she tried to start a few of her own small businesses and they didn't work out so she came in and she said I'm just going to intern for five weeks I want to make sure that I like the job so before I commit to a role as well so she did that, and we actually didn't really get along that. We, we got along, but we didn't hang out socially that much. Um, and then I also didn't like the way that she was doing things. Like, she wanted to put in all these systems. So I was like, no, we're just going to make money, and we're going to do things. And she wanted to have employee <laughs> – she wanted to, like, have employee meetings for when we were five people. And she – I mean, it was actually all really fantastic. She's very we're, – we're, like, polar opposites, and it's great because she has – she's – She's so her forte is all of my shortcomings, like putting in systems, thinking before doing, you know, all of these things. And so, but we used to, before we got each other, we used to butt heads on it a lot. And then I would just think she's just being slow and like wasting money, whereas she's laying down the foundation so that the business can grow. And I remember, I think six months into that, she came over, she told me that. We, we were just like really it, it, it got into a place where we were just really butting heads we you know we weren't we, we, we wouldn't have lunch together we don't see each other on weekends um, and this is the difference is now we take we, we just went to Burning Man together we have lunch every day we see each other most weekends to the point where I think I could see her every single day for like a month straight but um anyway she was like she messages me after work and she's like hey can you come over um, I want to have a talk so I'm like okay she's 
she's going to quit. But So when was this? This was after the six, five weeks? Yeah, uh, no, this is six months after she started six working there. Okay. And I was like, I, and I was like, she's definitely, I think she, she's going to quit. I'm like, not if I fire that bitch first. <laughs> so I came over with this like, you know, like already with that kind of like attitude. And then she, um, she, she greeted me with pre, like essentially a two page list of what, like my faults. And I, I'm so surprised because like I have such like a I've got quite a feisty attitude. I thought that I would have just been like I, I thought I you know looking back now I'm like why wasn't I like screw you? Um, but I think it was very heartfelt the way she said it and and um, where her intentions came from and also a lot of it you know because I knew that yeah it was true as well and so it was weird from that like kind of like it just changed our it changed our relationship and we kind of like we got each other and I think trust is like one of the biggest things the most important things in the business and I think from that we started to I understood that she always had the best intentions of Shopo and um and so it's 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 been like amazing ever since then <laughs> so so I'm assuming that the list of faults was to kind of were things that you should make like work on to kind of improve yeah. yourself as a leader in the business is that yeah. sort of the idea yeah, yeah it wasn't yeah. just for like fun like yeah, I yeah. decided to write a list of all no. your <laughs> so what was on that list oh my god she actually found the list like a year ago I'm like no don't read it to me I'm not ready for it yet I think it was just like um, just I, I would get too I would get too stressed out in the, mo- in, in the moment and I it's and that's the thing I actually don't now I don't sweat the small stuff and I think um, I, I realized like as as the leader someone in the leadership role that I have to be calm because it will just stress everyone out and just to be more like uh, solutions focused than problem focused and um, what was it I mean I used to I don't know I'm not clarifying expectations I guess um, not being good at communicating um it was a long list. God, I don't remember. Stay with us after the break as we find out about how Jane feels about her listing as one of Australia's richest people under the age of 40 and why she decided to publicly share information about Shopo's revenue as a PR strategy. As you would have learned from Jane's story, an idea can turn into a startup in just 24 hours. Uh, if that's something that appeals to you and you're sitting on an idea but you don't know what to do with it, then jump onto squarespace.com now. They've got a range of e-commerce ready web templates that are just waiting for you to fill with your ideas, your passions, products, really anything that you're looking to promote. And with the offer code PTV, you get 10% off. So what are you waiting for? Offer code PTV, squarespace.com, 10% off, jump on it, do it, get it happening. So just just to go back again, so like I'm really interested into like this growth curve. So you went from sort of like that 140k a month, and then he's got to the point where you were doing a million dollars a month, but you still only had you said there was still four of you. Yeah. So how that like you know you, that's like a business that I guess has sort of this you know that's made on track to do like ten to twelve million dollars in a year, but you're mm. managing it with four people. Um, you know, was that sustainable or like how did you kind of, you know, what, what were those four people doing to be able to kind of manage a business of that size? Um, I mean, I think the good thing, yeah, I think, um, oh God, like how do we, I don't even know how we did it because we, I mean, I definitely think, 
after that point, we, we, we were kind of still on that growth, that, that kind of growth level, and we started hiring more and more people. And I think that's one thing that we've kind of, where we've kind of wanted to change our business, that we're not always playing catch-ups. And so that's why, you know, in the last year, we've really scaled up our headcount so we can, you know, put in the infrastructure for growth. In, um, and so I was doing, so, and we were, and we, when you, ha- when you have four people, it's a lot of crossovers. So one girl was pretty much doing all of the customer service. And, you know, back then we used to have the warehouse. So once in a while we can grab a few people. We're, we're all, it's all hands on deck in customer service. Or sometimes we'll all leave our jobs and go help pick pack orders when that got, got busy. Um, one girl was, and so three of us would be buying products together. And we would just sit behind the computer. We didn't have a system. We were like, that looks nice. That looks nice. That looks like what? Um, that other dress that sold really well and so now we have like a pretty big buying team and you know it's all very systematic and everything is tracked in spreadsheets but we were just like that looks nice um and then the warehouse I guess I mean we I guess it's just having good systems and um and then in terms of social I mean we, we use a lot of agencies you know in terms of our like uh Facebook and Google ads and that kind of stuff and yeah, I don't know. I just don't even know how we pulled it off, I yeah, guess. Yeah. And and so when did um kind of like Instagram and using that as a platform to kind of market the business become a really key part of that growth? Like was that always there from day one, you know, when you were doing like the twenty two K, five K sales? Or was that I, something that came you know, was that a really vital part of getting you from one forty K a month to one million dollars a month? Like whereabouts in the story of Showpo did that come into things? Um, pretty pretty late for us. I think um, the thing about, I think we were probably in terms of our competitors one of the latest to get onto Instagram. I was still using it as just a photo filtering tool, and I think the reason that we did so well on Facebook is because I love Facebook. So I'm a very like social kind of person. So I you know love that element of it, but I'm not a like let's take a selfie. I'm not a selfie kind of person, so I never really got on Instagram. And I think the first rule about any kind of social media is, like, you want to become obsessed with it. And then you um, you understand the algorithm, you understand what works well, and then you you can make the most of it. So we, I, you know, we were by far, we had the smallest following. We kind of, and we were just trying to play catch-ups. I mean, I remember looking at what other people were doing. And, like, honestly, what we had was just amateur hour. But it was just about you know, kind of trying to learn quickly and adapt quickly. And, you know, I remember, yeah, I mean, I remember we like we were looking at our competitors and they had, like, beautiful imagery and we're in our warehouse trying to, like, use double-sided sticky tape to try and do a flat. Like, we had no idea what we were doing. But um, I think the, the best thing, was, I, I think you just have to, like, you know, it's sometimes people, I remember being like, oh, maybe Instagram will die because Facebook died. And, but now Facebook's back. But this is at the point where Facebook died. And that's why we were like, no, we need to put more energy on Instagram. But I was like, what if Instagram dies too? Maybe we'll just like, because we're so behind. Maybe we'll get onto the next thing. But I was like, no, that's being, I'm being ridiculous. And the thing that really helped us grow our Instagram account was when I decided to start my own Instagram account. And so having a small account, I was able to learn how the algorithm worked. So I could see the impact of everything I was doing, whereas, like, it's a lot harder with, you know, a lot more followers. So that actually really helped us grow. So I'll test something on my own account, and then we'll roll it out for Showpo. 
Yeah, cool. Nice. Uh, and so, like, in terms of kind of like the sort of... Wh- how big is kind of like Facebook and Instagram as a kind of... Um, if you were drawing up like a pie chart of what <laughs> Showpo's kind of sales and revenue looks like? Like, is are they the major driver or are you finding that things are coming through like email lists or like Google campaigns? Yeah, um, well, I think it's just really hard to, this is like, if I, if I could like solve one business problem, it would be to be able to measure uh, like offline marketing and like indirect marketing, like social media. If I could put a dollar value on that and get the return on investment, then I feel like I could have a license to print money. But you can't, or it's it's too hard to measure, you know. Um, and you know, the, and also like the impact of influencers, for example. Where and that's the thing. Like I think a small business will be better able to measure that because now they're, they're not doing a million things at once. Um, and so for us, I mean, I know it's huge just because because of Instagram, we are selling to over eighty countries, but we're only really marketing to, um, you know, doing paid ads to. A handful, so you can see that that's where those sales are coming from. But otherwise, like it's, it's, it's like hard to know. And you know, we've done things like you can survey your customers, but that's you know, it's very like you don't know, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's not, not a scientific. Yeah, because yeah. um, and like, PR like PR is such a you know, like for us, I, I know that we're huge. Like most of our PR is you know local because that's where I am. But and you know, New South Wales is by far our biggest market, but so you, you can see the correlation, but there's no way you can put a dollar value to PR. Yeah. So so we've talked a lot about kind of like just the growth of the business. So I wanted to try to kind of like catch us up to where we are today. Because I know about, I think it was about 12 months ago, we got a press release from talking about that. I think you guys were on track to hit like it was like a $25 million sort of run rate or something mm. over the course of a year. Is that kind of still kind of whereabouts you guys are or have you like far exceeded that or well, yeah no we've, we've like very far exceeded that but we're not be releasing numbers oh okay for cool. a while but yeah. um we're close to it's really exciting where you actually it's the first it's the first time we're publicly saying this we're getting very close to our millionth order wow so awesome. that's gonna be very exciting that's amazing so yeah. is that over the life of show post yeah 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 cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going to have a special promotion for that? We're, we're just brainstorming at the moment, yeah, so yeah. I'm not sure. Oh, that's yeah. Um, so I, I found that quite interesting. Like, you know, sort of when you when you did 12 months ago, sort of release that, you know, release around, oh, like we're on, on track for a $25 million run rate. Like what's the thinking behind being so transparent with kind of like revenue figures in the business at that stage? Oh, I mean, we didn't really think it through that much. I, did, I just think we've always... Um, you know, I, I, that's the thing. Like, it's like how you would think getting covered in like the AFR wouldn't really impact our demographic, but you can see that it is, it is working. Like for us, it's one of our points of differentiation. And so with, um, I guess every time we hit a milestone, we've just been updating. It's, I guess sometimes what's worked in the past, we'll just keep doing it. But, um, we're, as, as we are getting bigger now, we're kind of, rethinking like whether we should be as candid um there's other ways to be open and candid and to get um press i think back when you're smaller as well you're not really doing that many like exciting things whereas these days we're doing you know we're doing our we're, we're launching the u.s and we're um 
there's there's other things that we're doing and also I build out my personal brand so there's other ways to get the to um, kind of get our brand and our name out there instead of releasing um, numbers but I think um, for us being really like candid and open with the business kind of really like aligns with our values as well yeah cool uh, and for those that are uninitiated with the terminology, can you explain what a run rate is? Um, run rate is just what you're making that month times 12, yep. essentially. So, you know, because you're on the growth rate, like it's not in the last 12 months, but, you know, if basically if the business was to plateau, you would still, that's what you'd be getting. But of course, you know, we're expecting the business to grow. Yeah. And so retail is a very seasonal business. Do you find that the business is growing fast enough that it's sort of outpacing seasonality if that makes sense like are you growing month on month or like for instance in the lead up to christmas will that still be a really large month for you compared to like you know months down the track um it's like growing in a inclined wave so you, you know it kind of grows in may may june um and then it'll come down a bit but then they'll keep it's I like it's like i, I can't do, I, how do i describe it jane, so jane is handsome i'm, I'm handsing really yeah, for a podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> useless um but you know you kiss you know may and june you get it's the start of season and um also it's us peak as well which is our second biggest market and then now it's you know you've got your christmas shopping and you've got it's party season and it's summer so it kind of happens in two big waves yeah cool and um and how do you sort of balance i guess like revenue and growth versus sort of profitability of yeah. the business? Like, is that something that you consciously think about or is it, you know, what you're really looking for is kind of market size and the rest will work itself out? Um, no, for us, profitability is really important because we don't have investors. We don't want to rely on a bank. Like, I've I've actually, you know, I, I was on this, uh, I was on SBS Insights talking about failure and all the people that surrounded me when their business failed, um, the business failures were all... Um, the banks defaulting them and I was like okay not getting a bank loan not going to rely on the banks and so and I just don't want an investor because I don't want to I guess have a boss because you know I'm, I'm quite like if I was to have an investor I would be told off weekly about the things that I was doing wrong so and also I don't want to spend time you know putting to together decks for invest like it would be like getting back into corporate finance which is like the last thing I want to do um, and so for us, it's just really important to have, you know, profitability. So we have money reserves. So if you did have a bad month or anything, um, it, it wouldn't really impact us. We could, I mean, we, for us, we never make business decisions. When we make a business decision, we're like, okay, if we were to lose the money, we would be okay. So that's kind of like the, been the principle to be, to play it quite safe. And it's definitely just not, a, it's, we're very lucky that retail, especially online retail, is not a winner takes all market. So we don't have to race ahead and get market share. And, you know, it's just really important to also be enjoying what we're doing. Um, Alex and I, I, I think we, you know, we often, we're just, we're in the middle of something like, how fun is this? How great is what we're doing? How great is our lives? Like, we, and then because for both of us, I'm like, you could be doing architecture. I could be an accountant. Like, how awesome is this? And so we never, never want to push ourselves too far to change that. Um, so if we were to grow, if we were to double in size right now, like that would, that would be like a lot of work and it's party season and so how are you going to do that so yeah so I think profitability is or has always been a key focus yeah cool so can you talk us through like the product mix that you guys have at the moment like is it all like so there's like you know it's there's like a retail aspect you're sort of producing your own 
brands now mm. as well. Like, can you talk us through that? Yeah, um, we never got into. So yeah, we we've started off as just uh, purely retailing, and as we uh, as we've grown, we started to you know. Uh, we started to do our own designs which is like really exciting and just because I I never thought that would be something I would um, venture into and it's just because we've hired the right people to set kind of set all of that up Um, I think we're probably like 30% of our products are unique and we have quite a big um, our design team is one of like the biggest growth areas I would say Um, and yeah and I mean, we, we also something that we never done is really buy branded products um, just because the margin's not there. And also, you know, it goes, it, it dates a lot quicker. And I guess it's just, it's, and the thing is, I'm not a brand person, so I just never had an interest in it. And so never, just never got into it. And my uh, head of product, she doesn't believe in it either. So, and, and Alex as well. So we just like, because we don't really believe in it, we never got into it. And I think, that's really help. That's really good for our, you know, margins as well. Um, so when you say branded products, you mean kind of like, like kind Nike. Of, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I don't, see, I don't even know brands. Like what kind yeah, of brand? Yeah. Like what? I mean, all of our all of our competitors stock different um, brands, and we just we never got into it. Um, we, I mean, we do. We would for like you know footwear or sunglasses areas where it's not really our main um, like bread and butter. Yeah. Nice. Cool. And so you mentioned you're launching into the US. So like, or I mean, I suppose with an online business, obviously, like mm. orders can come from wherever. But what what is the difference between, oh, we have customers that are naturally coming to us from the US versus, yes, we're launching in the US. And in terms of like how you behave, you know, and do you have people over there? Or are you doing that all from here? Um, yeah, we've got a warehouse over there now. So we can, you know, send products. We're launching same day shipping for the US warehouse shortly. So that's um, so we can compete um, over there. I think it's just improving a lot of our offerings, and it's so it's not like an official launch besides the warehouse, but it's just I guess putting it more front of mind. So for us, we were we've been mobile first, for example, from like ages ago, and then there's still businesses that people I go to conferences and people still talking about it. So for us, it's kind of like that. It's making ourselves putting the US thinking about the US more front of mind as a business um, as 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 the company like getting the whole company to kind of think like that um, but we've always I mean we've always been selling to the US from like back when I was in my parents garage I would have to go into Australia Post and sign customs forms but um, I think it's just just taking it more seriously increasing our budget and um, having you know our design team now makes products for the you know for the US as well so just kind of thinking about it um, in all facets of the business. Yeah, cool. And so when talking about warehousing, so you mentioned that you did have a local Australian warehouse, but then I think you said you sold it or we, did like outsourced it? Outsourced, be, yeah, yeah, we've outsourced it. So can you say who you use for your warehousing? Yeah, they're called Williams Housing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and so essentially like you provide the stock to them, they yeah. they manage shipping and things like that yeah. for you as well? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. Um, I mean, we, you know, we have a great relationship um, with them, but I've also, you know, we previously had a work with another three PL, and it's been terrible. I've had other horror stories from other people. I've actually, you know, bonded with competitors over how terrible our past three PL experience have been. Um, so I, you know, it's 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 a hard one because you're um, you're kind of relinquishing control. Well, the thing is, for example, like Zappos, they um, the billion US 
dollar shoe business they kind of took back their warehousing because they realized for them customer service is their core value and um, because that directly your warehousing ties directly into customer service they decided to take it back because they were not able to control something that was their core value and so for us it is of course still our core value but we you know it's all about putting in better systems to work with the warehouse better and so um, the idea is like you know warehousing is not our forte like we're we're more about the marketing and the product and so just focusing more on that yeah cool uh so i mean Shopo's such a huge success story like where is it going like what is the plan like what's the vision is it yeah well i mean for us the the thing that's really exciting right now is video and content like we um it's and i think part of that is because it's just genuinely what i love like if you were to ask me what i wanted to do growing up it's i wanted to write for saturday night, saturday night live <laughs> and so if i could get if i wasn't doing what i'm doing now i would love to write for like james corden or Fallon or Kimmel or do, do something like that. So now we have the audience and it's something that's a point of differentiation. Um, we love just we love making funny videos. Um, our blog's getting great traction. And I think we like to look at ourselves as more than just a retail business, but a community for our um, customers and our followers um, and just building ourselves into more of a lifestyle brand as well. And so, and it's ironic because that's, I, I now get to do the thing that I've always loved doing, but the one, um, as our team has, um, as I mentioned, grown, the one thing that we don't have is an in-house accountant. So I'm, st- <laughs> I'm still the accountant, so I'm doing what I love and what I hate. Um, but anyway, I'm, hopefully that'll sort itself out eventually. But yeah, I think, I think the overall goal is just to keep growing the business and just to, it sounds, it sounds very like vague, I guess, but just to keep doing what we love um, and yeah, just keep growing the Shopper brand and having just having more fun with it. Yeah, nice. If there's any accountants out there, feel free to send through your CV. Yeah. <laughs> we'll look, look at them. Uh, and so you were recently on the AFR Young Rich list. Yes. Oh. So what, what was the, um, like, uh, did, what sort of impact does that have on your life? Like, do you have, like, kind of people hitting you up for, like, loans and, you know? Oh, no. So people have said that. People warn me about that, but I haven't really... Um, I think the difference is like I've I've always been quite like open about the success of Showpro. So whereas like other people may not have, and that could be their first like, you know, um, that it's like their big announcement. But um, I like did not really want to be on that list. I've actually openly, blatantly told them like three times don't put me on the list, just because it's not how I kind of position myself. Like I'm my social media. Uh, handle is the lazy CEO and um, I'm not the wealthy CEO it's not for me like I said it's not so we can make money so that I can go buy a super yacht it's so that we the the, the end goal is that we we want to be profitable so that we can stay in business and I and so Dirk and I Alex and I don't have to go get real jobs like the end goal is just to keep doing what keep doing this and it's just like it just doesn't really align with my personal brand, but I mean, it's a, it's such a first world problem. I probably shouldn't complain because I, I feel like they were kind of. I don't know if they were just trying to rub it in. They kind of made you the cover the, person. Of I the, know of the cover. <laughs> God, yeah, I know. It was anyway. Yeah, I oh, I don't know. Yeah, nice. So it's on me, but it's I, I it's it's definitely like not the worst thing to complain about. So. Yeah, hundred percent. So. Um, so you mentioned that kind of like you're going all in on kind of content and video and trying mm. to kind of really create like I suppose a broader 
you know, kind of like lifestyle around Shopo, I suppose, in yeah. a way. Um, how do you kind of KPI measure the impact that that's having? Because I think there's a lot of people being told, oh, you need to do content. And then they sometimes sit there going, I don't know how content works in my business. Maybe fashion's a bit di- bit different. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, is there, do you see upticks in terms of sales directly off of the back of that? Yeah, I mean, we did this um, Halloween video. I don't know if you've seen it. It's 50 last minute Halloween videos. So we've got 3.2 million views. Like we literally, the whole thing just happened within the space of a week and it you know the the track the the feedback from that has been phenomenal like i think it's a great way to reach a new audience because people like people are sharing the content um and i think that's the best way to reach a new audience and i think um the thing and it's it's making us sales as well i never i you know we're we're like being idiots in the video but it's actually it, it definitely is driving sales so which is so good because it means we can keep doing it. Um, so, so it's last minute Halloween tips. Um, we right? did fifty last minute Halloween videos. Videos. And then we've we've done recently. If so when you say last minute, minute, oh, so as in videos of people with crappy costumes. No, like we 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 were, we were like we did fifty like so. so I'm trying to just not very good at describing things like, you know, I I'm like I've got a trash. Uh, a rubbish bag on me okay. and the glass of wine running makeup and I'm trash bag and then Kelly comes and she's white trash you oh, know like nice. we just yeah. it's just like a little it's like little skits that kind of stuff and it's just it's something that I would love doing for fun anyway <laughs> and so now we've got someone at work to film it for us I've got like a, like our office juniors to prepare the props for us and we just like kind of do it we go and have fun and it's and then to get you know three Point two million people watching it it's just phenomenal and then yeah it's um so i think it's i think for us it's about um using it to relate to our customers they see us as real people and so they um what's been what's been great is like um i, I hear about uh you know we've done kind of like brand uh, like surveys from through through other companies about what they think about about Shopo and something that's really come through is they think of Shopo as a friend and that's something that they didn't use to describe any other other retail stores and I think that's like it's so cool and yeah, um, yeah so it shows that what we're doing is working which is great yeah nice and so when you when you said you saw sales come off the back of it is that because you had a link or like you just sort of saw a a general uptick or um oh yeah i mean we can you can definitely you can definitely see like sales going up improving and also you know we run some ads on it as well so it's all about getting you know a good a good piece of content will be a cheap will be a cheap ad to run i guess and it's a low cost per acquisition so you know the better the content the hopefully the more sales and it it drives yeah nice. so 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 where do you, I mean, the business has been such a phenomenal success. Like, where do you go to kind of make sure that you're still learning or kind of to get advice from? Like, do you have mentors or, like, do you read books? Like, what, what is it that you kind of you I do? I try to read books. I probably get through one. Like, I started, started reading books, like, a few years, like, three years ago and with the Zappos book being the first book. And before that, the last book I read was in year six and it was hating Alice and Ashley because I hate it. I think like school just turned me off reading books and now like I see the point in it and I started to, started to do a bit more of it. But I'm also part of, um, I, I think it's going to like a lot of networking events and speaking to people has been great. Um, like, you know, looking at experts and speaking to them directly about where their area of expertise. 
And also, I'm part of like entrepreneurs groups. So I used to be part of, part of entrepreneurs. It's called Entrepreneurs Organization. And then now I'm in um, Young President Organization. And so you're in this community with other like fellow business owners or like top executives. And um, and yeah, it's great to have that network to learn from. Yeah, cool. And so you actually started your own as well, like like minded yes. teachers drinking wine. Yeah. So which is by far the best name for any <laughs> kind of like um, you know kind of in brackets networking organization that I've ever heard of. Um, can you talk us through that and like why you guys why you started that? Yeah. Um, so Jen George, who has her own business as well, um, we two years ago we were like let's get a group of people to get together, um, and we were like let's. Um, like other female founders and we can just you know have dinner and just bitch and moan about work or like talk about our wins because sometimes it's hard to you know talk about it with friends who might not be able to relate I guess Um, and so there was just 20 of us and we had such a great time we were like well let's just open it up to the public and see if anyone else to join us and we were like what should we call it and someone's like and someone was just like like-minded bitches drinking wine because that's what we're doing kind of like celebrities in cars getting coffee like just it, it is what it is kind of thing um, and then from then it just kind of like you can just tell there's obviously a need and demand for it because it just it just organically grew from there um, and I think what's there's a lot of different business groups out there and they all ha- they all set their own purpose and they're all fantastic and I go to a lot of a lot of them but um, the difference with this is you know at the events everyone's started drinking so there's no you know how sometimes you go to events and then you hear someone talk and you may talk to the person next to you but you're a bit awkward it's a bit shy but there's none of that like everyone just is comfortable from the get-go um and i think there's such a great community if someone where people can say to someone else hey i'm a like-minded bitch as well and it automatically connects people and then within the group a lot of people help each other out it's a very sharing community and yeah, um, it's it's just phenomenal. Like, and then to hear the stories of how it's helped people out, um, and it's, you know, it's a it's a good it's a good easy way to give back, I guess. Yeah, cool. So, what would your advice be to someone starting out today? Like, you know, kind of with, you know, kind of who wanted to sort of start their own business or potentially is working on a side hustle and wanted to take it to the next level. Like, what's what's your playbook? I would say just start and like invest in you know invest very little in because you'll probably like screw it up and then you'll lose your money and then you'll need to have more money to reinvest back in once you've learned your lesson um, like I did um, and so you and I think just going to going to like networking events join like-minded bitches drinking wine and speaking to other people and getting advice and I think once you and I think it's all about like you know once you start being really able to be self-aware and learn from what you're doing wrong and yeah and I just kind of like improving from there if I was to um so just before you came in I uh just before I came here I was we had we had our intern assessment day like 20 interns came and we're like talking to all the interns and I was telling them how like you know you don't set yourself this huge goal because they came into our our new office and our new office is like pimping and I was showing them the slideshow of how crappy our old office was what my like parents warehouse looked like how dingy it was and I was like you know if you set yourself if I was to ever set myself the goal of having this huge show pro office um and like all these staff members any moment where like things weren't going well I would feel so deflated and I would 
want to give up because I'm like, I'm so far away from where I want to be. I'm never going to be able to do this. So it's about setting those, having those little incremental goals and celebrating the wins. So I think feeling like you've accomplished, having that sense of accomplishment, believing in yourself is really important as well. And yeah, just like, and then when, when things don't go right, you know, like sometimes it, it is someone else being a fuckwit, but like generally try and see what you're doing wrong, like how you could have done it better because at the end of the day, you're only in control of your own actions. Perfect. Brilliant advice. Thank you so much, Jane. Thanks for um, joining us today. Um, if people want to connect with you or join like-minded bitches drinking wine, like where can they track you down and where could they join Ooh. the group? Yeah, so like-minded bitches drinking wine is a Facebook group on Facebook. It's the There's a page as well, but the group is the one with the 56,000 members. So join that one, not the page. And then I'm, I've am i also got a Facebook public profile. It's the Lazy CEO. And um, I have a YouTube channel, which I love to promote. It's the Lazy CEO. Um, I've got blogs and business advice and just my funny videos there. So please subscribe. Nice. Cool. Thank you again, Jane. That was an awesome chat. And um, no doubt um, all of the listeners will take a huge amount out of it because I know I have. So thank you. Cool. Thanks for having me. Cheers. This episode of Founders University was brought to you by Squarespace. If you want to try and start the next show, po, why not jump onto squarespace.com now and use the offer code PTV to get 10% off your next purchase. Stay tuned for Founders University for more episodes coming up. And if you've got any feedback, I'm going to do a bit of an experiment now. I'm going to hand out my email address. Uh, so feel free to email me with guests you'd love to see on the show or questions that you'd love to hear us ask. Uh, my email is chris at pedestriangroup.com.au. Hit us up. And also, if you like this podcast, please feel free to send it to a friend. Rate us five stars and subscribe. Thank you.